Welcome to She Critiques, where we discuss the new, the old, all things cinema. I'm Mercedes, television producer, certified reviewer, and all-around movie buff. So without further ado, let's get into this week's episode. Hello, everyone. Today, my special guest is Mr. Ray Cornelius. I know Ray from a while ago, actually. I'll get into that. You'll hear that story a little later in the podcast. But I do want to give you a little information on who Ray Cornelius is. RayCornelius.com spotlights the latest in positive African-American celebrity and entertainment news and was established in 2012. Since that time, Ray has interviewed some of the biggest and brightest names in television, film, music, theater, fashion, and pop culture. He has also covered such national award shows and festivals, including the BET Hip Hop Awards, Essence Festival, Bounce Trumpet Awards, Steve Harvey's Neighborhood Awards, BMI R&B and Hip Hop Awards, SCAD TV's ATV Fest, and the Triumph Awards. He has also been invited to NBC Press Day in LA and Chicago, and most recently, Press Supporting Press event for TV One's 2020 Urban One Honors. Ray serves as a pop culture expert on Fox TV's newest entertainment show, Central Ave, and was the red carpet correspondent for Aspire TV's In the Loop. Mr. Ray Cornelius has been in the media entertainment industry for over 25 years now, and he is the executive producer of the Upfront Inside Atlanta's Entertainment Industry for Jazz 91.9 WCOK. Please welcome Mr. Ray Cornelius to the She Critiques podcast. How are you? How are you? I am so excited to be here. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Listen, brother man, I was just reading this bio again. I said, it's been a long, listen, it's been a long journey, but it it always pays off. It always pays off. (laughs) No, Ray, seriously, I was really thinking like, first of all, the first time we met, do you remember the first time we met? I might put you on the spot a little bit. But I remember um, you um, coming up to me in the hallway at Clark. <laughs> I remember that. And talking about um, wanting to do, you know, wanting to be in the entertainment industry. What can I do? What can I do? And then I remember a circling, excuse me, circling back at an event. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Because my memory, okay, my memory, I remember meeting you at, it was a Sammy event. Uh, oh God! Yes, like a, he was like on the cover of a magazine or something like that, and it was like a yeah. dark, like you know, he was performing downstairs at this event yeah. we were at, and you had a card and I had a card and I was just getting started and trying to meet people, but you've always been very warm and always very welcoming and giving of information. So I just say all that to say it's been a long time. I think that was back in like 2013, 14-ish. And, and then you graduated, and then I go to. Um, Lisa Nicole Carson's house for a taping of um, Married to Medicine, and there you are on set, got your stuff. You all, you, <laughs> you, you were in your element, you know. And I was, and it was like, I said, I said to myself, I was like, you know what? She's finding her footing, mm-hmm. and when she finds it, it's gonna be like this. It always feels like detours trying to get to the, you know. It's always yeah. best to work for yourself as well. That's what I think I'm realizing as well. You know, even the entertainment industry has helped. 
it's helped me build some bricks. It's helped me, it's given me some formulas for some things. And now I'm just applying it to build, you know, what I want to do. And that's what I say about my, um, my website. Cause if, if you're, if your listeners and viewers go to the website, it's, it's, it's been down. Um, I started the website in, uh, as you said, in, in, uh, uh, 2012 and this year marked the, um, eighth year. And so eight is the number of new beginnings. And so mm -hmm. at this point, I have been shifting my energy towards um, content creation for television and film. I'm working on a documentary as we speak. So the entertainment reporting side of me is still there through the radio show, not so much on my website, because people don't really read anymore, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. um, and so what I found is that people enjoy video, they enjoy listening. And so that's why I started the radio show, because I felt like I could reach more people. I'm looking forward to everything that you have coming to you. It's always a pleasure <laughs> to watch. So today we are here to talk about a classic film, The Wiz, right? Let me do a little bit of housekeeping. Okay. So The Wiz came out in 1978. It's a reimagining of Frank Bone's 1900 children's novel, The Wizard of Oz, and loosely adapted from the 1974 Broadway musical of the same name. It's produced by Universal Pictures and Motown Productions, it stars Diana Ross, Michael Jackson. Let me rewind. It stars Diana Ross, <laughs> Michael Jackson, Nipsey Russell, Ted Ross, Lena Horne, and Richard Pryor. And it made over $21 million in the box office. I just found that out. Okay. Right, why do you think we fell in love, Black culture, Black people, we fell in love with The Wiz? Well, you know, let me, and let me say this, because I, um, there's, there's so much, I have so much history with this film. Um, but let me say this first, by no means, um, the, the things that, that come out of my mouth are <laughs> Bible. Uh, it is all through research and urban legend and hearing things there and people saying conversations here. So what, what, what is going to come out of my mouth is, is a culmination of, research and just um being a lover of the film mm -hmm. uh is it bible you know take it for what it's worth but you know i don't want somebody coming back and saying well he said you know <laughs> and that's you know only um, here. But, right but my my very first human memory as a kid um and as a human being was three years old and my mother taking us to go see the whiz i remember being at a pool my mother pulled us out of the pool and said, we're going to the movies later on. Let's, you know, we got to get dressed. And I just, I can see it now, us going to this theater in Orlando, Florida, and being totally mesmerized by what I saw on the big screen. And I really credit this film to my lifelong obsession that I've had uh, with Diana Ross and with Michael Jackson, because there was there was so much love on that screen that it just I, I felt it even at, at three years old, and so uh, that story, uh, the Wiz, the Wizard of Oz, has always been my favorite story. Mm -hmm. um, I think for Black people at that time, you have to keep in mind there was, um, and you have, to, and I'm I'm saying all this to kind of set up why we love this movie. First of all, you had this amazing story by L. Frank Baum that has always been a part of America's literary history. You know, you had right. the book first, and then there were 
uh, several, um, I, I want to say, Broadway um, performances of this Wizard of Oz story. Then there was a film that starred uh, Shirley Temple, because at that time she was the big child star. They, they were always looking for projects for her. And of course, everyone knew about this, this Wizard of Oz story. So that was your one of, kind of one of your first um, uh, films about this story. Right. Then, of course, there was the 1939 version with Judy Garland. Yes. And that's when it just, it changed the game because Technicolor was the new thing at right. that time. Um, and so the Wizard of Oz, and here's a little secret if, if, if people did not know this, in the original Wizard of Oz story, Dorothy wore silver slippers. They did not want to do silver slippers for the Judy Garland version because of Technicolor. They felt that uh, the, the, the silver slippers was not that, that wow, that pop. And so they changed them from silver to ruby. But in the original story, Dorothy is wearing silver slippers. Again, it was this whole idea of we're introducing this Technicolor because at that time, most films were in black and white. So The Wizard of Oz, Gone with the Wind came out that year and they were all in color. So everything was about color. That's why it's so vibrant. Everything was just so, you know, just, you know. And so you had this guy um, in the early 70s by the name of Ken Harper who had this idea of what if we urbanize or blackenize mm -hmm. this all-American story? Because again, The Wizard of Oz was that thing that just, it was as, as American as apple pie. Right. And so we wanted our slice of the story. Right. And so he came, up with, this, uh, yeah, he came up with this idea of, you know, um, making it more, more black, more urban, um, he got with this amazing songwriter by the name of Charlie Smalls, and they came up with this idea called The Wiz. And so this. Mm -hmm. oh, this uh -huh. close up of that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The Wiz. And so this, this story is actually closer to the book than The Wizard of Oz with Judy Garland, 1939 version. Okay. And so um, they tested the, the show out in Baltimore in 1974, um, as most uh, productions at that time, they, you know, they would test it in a smaller market before they take it to Broadway, because you got to keep in mind, Broadway is very expensive. You're talking about a, a daily production, a production that's eight times a week. You've got costume designers, hair, makeup, the, the talent themselves, and you're not, you know, casting, you know, no names, you're casting some, you know, some people with some names. So you've got to have that budget, marketing, all those types of things. Right. So, um, the very first production took place in 1974 in Baltimore. Um, it was a little shaky. Uh, the young lady who actually originated the role was not Stephanie Mills. Her name was Renee Harris. Mm -hmm. And um, the guy who originated the role of the Tin Man, Ben Harney, um, was actually, um, he originated the role of Curtis in Dreamgirls. I found that information out. So anyway, there was buzz about this, this production. And so Ken got the, 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 the green light to bring it to Broadway. So whenever you're taking a production, and I've seen this happen here in Atlanta, where they've started something at the Alliance, you have an original cast, but then when you take it to Broadway, Bigger all name. of that can change. Yeah. And that's exactly what happened. Um, the young lady, Renee Harris, 
became the understudy for the actress that would play uh, Dorothy. And that eventually went to a very, very young, very impressionable, very super talented yes. Stephanie. Yes. And so Stephanie, um, of course, was just this, she had Broadway experience. Um, she was sort of the, the darling of New York City. Everybody kind of knew who this little girl was, kind of like a Kovagene Wallace or a, a um, imagine a, a Kiki Palmer back in right. the day when everybody right. was, was buzzing about who's this little talented little girl with this booming voice. And so um, you had her, you had Ted Ross, you had uh, Mabel King, who was uh, a very uh, uh, um, pretty well-known actress at that time. And, you know, the original director, again, changed from Baltimore. Once it got to New York, Joffrey Holder became attached to the project. And Joffrey Holder was a very well-respected um, dancer. He was married to Carmen de Lavalade. They had this history with Josephine Baker. So there was already this idea of, oh, wow, you've got Joffrey Holder attached to this. Yeah, it's almost yeah. kind of like, like adding, um, I guess, like maybe adding Diddy to a project. Yeah. Joffrey Holder was... <laughs> You know, he was this larger than life character. He was he was a Renaissance man, a dancer, an artist, and so he really came in they and um, behind it. The, uh -huh. Yeah, I mean, he was the costume designer. He just really came in and just really just turned the Wiz around. The other thing about the Wiz was when the show did uh, make it to Broadway, they were having problems selling tickets. Now, keep in mind. This is, this is America, early 70s. We've just come out of um, the civil rights era. Right. Excuse me. So a very large scale black musical on Broadway was just unheard of. So this, this had to work. So um, Mr. Harper um, got with some very creative people and they decided to get sponsors to help them market the show in a way that had never been marketed before. So they got commercials, they had radio ads, all kinds of stuff that really put the Wiz out there. And once they did that and people saw, you know, little Stephanie Mills and they saw them silver slippers and, and they saw, you know, uh, uh, Eveline and mm -hmm. Glenda. And, you know, it was just, it was like, oh my gosh, you got to go see this. And it really became this overnight sensation. Wow. So... People are talking about the Wiz. It's almost like Hamilton, the Hamilton yes. of the day. I, everyone... say, I don't think we've ever seen another star-studded black ensemble, all black cast, front and back in a long time. And I don't know yeah. if the Wiz was the last one, but I feel like I'm trying to comb through my roll the deck. It was the Wiz, the Wiz was the precursor to shows like Dream Girls. Mm -hmm. um, which I have on my on my wall here yeah. behind me. Dream Girls, Ain't Misbehaving, Bubbling Brown Sugar. Those shows were very over the top. You had the costumes. You had you know the divas, Shirley Ralph, and you had um, in in uh, Bubbling Brown Sugar and and sophisticated ladies. You had Phyllis Hyman. You had all of these you know uh, women who were making names for themselves. Um, were, were, were the buzz on Broadway at that time. So it really set precedence for those shows to come. Mm -hmm. And so at that time, the largest black entertainment, you know, machine was Motown. And right. Barry Gordy, you know, had, had huge success with Lady Sings the Blues. He had already, you know, laid the foundation for uh, 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 creating amazing black talent through his Motown artists. He had some of the biggest 
you know, names in black entertainment at that time. Of course, his biggest star was Diana Ross. And so he was always looking for, yeah, yeah. I mean, just, he was always looking for um, ways to take Motown's brand to another level. That's why he left Detroit and moved to LA because he was like, okay, we've conquered the music, but music was changing. So he was like, let's tackle this whole film, this, this film thing. And so um, there were talks of, of, you know, there's this, this Broadway smash musical, The Wiz. There's this young lady by the name of Stephanie Mills that everybody's talking about. We want a piece of that. Mm-hmm. At the same time, um, the urban legend is that Diana Ross went to go uh, see the show and fell in love with it. Mm-hmm. I mean, just was like, oh my gosh, this is, you know, the, the best. And went you know, she, she called, uh, the legend is that she called Barry Gordy at like three o'clock in the morning mm-hmm. and said, I just had a dream that I was Dorothy in a film version of The Wiz. And Barry Gordy is like, go, be- go back to bed. <laughs> 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 what, have you, what have you been drinking? Um, go back to bed, you're too old, you know? <laughs> so, but but, but let, me, let me say this, and, and, and you know, you, I, you've heard that, you know, that was the, the biggest, um, the biggest criticism that The Wiz, the movie, um, had was over Diana Ross's age. Because again, this idea of Dorothy was this little girl. Mm-hmm. Um, but personally, for Diana Ross at that time in her career, she started off in Detroit, um, blew up as the Supreme, eventually went solo, and then followed Barry to Los Angeles to launch a film career. Mm-hmm. At that point in her life, um, she was searching for some things. Diana Ross at that point was really trying to find Diana Ross. Do you and know how so she, she was when she did this? Because I was watching, I watched it again last night and that was a thought. I'm like, cause they said 24 in the film, you're 24. And I didn't know how old she was. How old was she? She was, 30, she was 32 years old. Okay. 32 years I'm old. I'm 32 now. I can't play Thor. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, here's, but here's the thing. I, and, I, and I think that in the grand scheme of things, when you think about where you are at 32, mm-hmm. um, you're still life searching. Yeah, life is shifting. You're still That's trying true. to find yourself. Yes, she was Diana Ross at that time, but I think that she knew you know, music was changing. Disco was real big at that time. But around 1977, disco was at its height. But it's like, okay, we're about to move into another decade. And you got to think about, as someone in entertainment, you always want to be ahead of the curve in terms of what's happening next. Right. And so for her, I think, you know, she was having, you know, she had been a part of Motown for such a long time. She She was trying to figure some things out. And I think part of her attraction to Dorothy was this idea of who am I really? Mm-hmm. Um, she had left uh, Los Angeles and had moved back to New York. And so the mere fact that, that this story was, you know, that, uh, that, that, that the Wiz eventually took place in New York City, all of those things kind of aligned for her. You have to also keep in mind that she was, she was like the Beyonce of that time. So yeah. imagine... You know, when, 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 when we all heard that Beyonce wanted to be a part of The Lion King, people were like, well, she's too old. Is she going to be playing? How's she going to be playing Nala? So it's, it's, <laughs> it was, it was kind of the same thing, you know, at that time, you're too old. 
But we don't know what's going on in Beyonce's head. Uh, apparently, there was a connection that she had with that character. And mm -hmm. as, as one artist to another, I can't say if that's right or wrong. You know right. what I mean? That's, that's, that's how you're feeling at that time. So Diana Ross used her star power to negotiate a deal right. behind Barry Gordy and went to Universal. Um, well, and Barry said, Gordy did not put her in the, in the film. No. He actually wanted Stephanie Mills. He actually wanted, he actually wanted Stephanie Mills because again, she was the, she was, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, again, it's, it's like taking, um, it's almost like taking Hamilton and doing a film version, which they did, but they kept the, you know, they used the, the original cast, but taking the cast and totally using different people. Yeah. And so they just, they, they were, they were not feeling that. And so, um, but Universal was like, okay, this is the, you know, the biggest female star on the planet. Um, she promised them, look, you, you cast me, you might get Michael Jackson. And Michael Jackson was, you know, on the verge of being that next, right. you know, again, it's almost like, you it's know. It's like having Beyonce and Usher and, well. Exactly. Yeah. You uh -huh. know, uh -huh. Beyonce is like, look, you get me, you go get Usher. You know uh -huh. what I mean? Uh -huh. And so that was kind of the acting chops that might not be, <laughs> might not be equal but, to Diana Ross. <laughs> and, and here's the thing. And, and, and two, Diana and Michael had such great chemistry as friends. Yes. It was like, it was like, okay, yeah, you get her, you're going to get, you know, you're going to get these two talented people. And if Hollywood so, don't like nothing else, they like money. And that's a guaranteed bank in the box office. Listen, I, I've been told several times, if it works and there's money behind it, we're going to do it. It may not make sense to you, but it's going to make money for us. And so Michael Jackson wasn't initially um, the first choice for the Scarecrow. I, was, I, I read that um, the director at that time um, was looking at uh, Jimmy Walker, JJ mm -hmm. from, from Good Times, because they, they, wanted, they wanted this character to be Able comical, to and you know what I mean? And, and yes. Michael Jackson, no one had really, um, I mean, they knew him as a child star, but he was at this point a teenager. Yes. He wasn't that cute little, you know, ABC right. kid. Cute to watch. Let me say this too, because embarrassingly a little bit, the first time I watched The Wiz from cover to cover, from front to back, was last night. Okay. <laughs> I've never seen it from the beginning to the end. I've only seen pieces. Pieces here, pieces there, like it's on TV, you catch it here. I've never seen it from the beginning to the end. So last night was the first time I watched it from the beginning to the end. Okay. Um, I, people can't ever broke my black card for that. <laughs> but I will say, recognizing just the, the actors, Diana Ross is absolutely phenomenal in the film. Phenomenal. And then Michael Jackson, what I recognize with him in the Scarecrow is his ability to move. Like he, because he's a dancer, he's a natural dancer. So him moving like that is what really caught my eye. Like, oh, this was a perfect role for him because his, his way of moving as the Scarecrow was like, you know, like it was magical to watch. Um, any performances for you completely well, let me let me say this. So once once they got everything together, mm -hmm. and keep in mind, The Wiz was the most expensive movie musical ever. Wow. The whole idea of taking over New York City had never been done before. 
Um, and when you go back and you, and you look up the history of, of the locations where they shot this, the World Trade Center had just been built at that time. So that was the biggest marvel in New York City. And the fact that they used that as Emerald City was freaking amazing. Right. Um, the costumes for that, that scene, the Emerald City scene, Oscar de la Renta, Halston, Ralph Lauren, you know, those, those were the biggest fashion designers of that time. So a lot of money was spent, 600 dancers. Mm-hmm. Um, again, the different locations around New York City. And so it was, when it came out, it was big, it was bold, it was colorful, it was, it was scary. You know what I mean? Right. Evelyn, you know, no it's bad nice, news. Huh? I mean, you know, but then of course, like you said, watching Michael, excuse me, watching Michael Jackson was amazing. Ted Ross as the lion, absolutely phenomenal. And Diana Ross proved that she had the vocal chops to sing those songs. Mm. Her, version of, her version of Home was done in one take. Mm. That was one take. And that was, that, was, that was the standard at that time. When Jennifer Holliday sung uh, And I'm Telling You, one take. Come on now. Whitney Houston did the Star Spangled Banner. One take. So, you 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 couple all of that, and you have this this huge dynamic musical. Um, I've got so many favorite scenes from <laughs> that movie. From um, oh my god, uh, when they're in the, the subway, and he said, "My name is Fleet <laughs> Fleetwood Coop Deville." Mama had high ideas. Um, <laughs> Um, another favorite scene is, um, of course, Michael Jackson's You Can't Win, which was not the song that was performed in the musical. Mm. That came about because Quincy Jones uh, was attached to this project and changed some of the music around. Um, An unknown singer at that time who was the, he was the president of, of the Dionne Warwick fan club. This, this young man named Luther Vandross was, 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 was uh, added on to write uh, Everybody Rejoice. And if you listen to the first person singing that song, that's Luther. That was Luther Vandross. Right. Um, gosh, the, of course, Ease On Down, iconic. 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 And the thing is, and for, to that point of it being iconic, the fact that I have not, I know that song. I know so many of these songs and I've heard so much about so many different scenes. I felt like even though I had not seen it, I knew exactly what the, like I've seen them. Like I haven't seen it, but I've seen it. Cause it's just so iconic. It's such a staple. I've heard these songs before. I know who Steffi Mills is. Like you just feel the attachment regardless. Let's talk about the differences between The Wiz and The Wizard of Oz. Because one of the main things that I jotted down was that The Wizard of Oz was mainly shot for the daytime. Everything was during the day. And The Wiz was in the nighttime. And I thought that was really interesting to play on. Go ahead. Well, no, there were, there were moments, uh, I think, when, when, when Dorothy um, is leaving Munchkin Land. Um, at that time, it was dark. Mm-hmm. And she's kind of going, because keep in mind, for her, the storm happened at night. In the Wizard of Oz, this happened probably, you know, on a Sunday afternoon. Right. Um, so she's going from night into day, which is what we see as she's transitioning from um, Munchkin Land and meeting the Scarecrow for the first time. So yeah, you got to see those 
those day and night uh, dynamics uh, when they were at the, the Emerald City Hotel, which I thought was just, you know, fabulous. <laughs> it was nighttime. You know, um, the, the other thing with the differences between The Wizard of Oz, um, the, uh, the poppies, there were flowers, you know, um, at that time. There were no, um, there were no flowers. Another difference is you had Miss One. So you had the three witches that, that were represented um, in The Wiz that were not represented in The Wizard of Oz. You had Glinda and you had um, the Wicked Witch of the West. She didn't really even have a name. Right. Uh, well, actually her name was El, El Faba, which is, which is the premise of Wicked. Um, but they changed the name in The Wiz to Eveline and Evelyn. Uh, they were twin sisters. And so that's a huge, huge difference. Uh, and then you had this other witch who was, was kind of in between um, Eveline and Glinda. And that was um, in, in, the, in the Wiz, the musical, her name is Ada Pearl. But for the movie, her name is Miss One. And so that's a, a huge, you know, kind of difference. Um, you don't have the Somewhere Over the Rainbow theme. Mm, big one. It's, yeah. Big, big it's, one. It's really, really, really big. When you think of, you know, The Wizard of Oz, this, this whole idea of somewhere, you know, over the rainbow, that was not the case for, for Dorothy in, in, in the musical or the movie. Right. Well, she, I, I mean, they, I guess when I think of home would be the counterpart to, they did their own version. We had our own Wizard of Oz, like you said, our own slice of the pie. How did I know you were going to be the perfect person to discuss this film with? Ray, I can't believe, you know so much history. I don't know, was it the love for Diana Ross or for the film itself first? You know, as, a, as a kid growing up, it was, it was, she was just, you know, I, I, it, it's crazy. After seeing the movie, I remember she did this huge concert, um, 1979, mm -hmm. uh, Caesar's Palace. And the opening for that that show, if you've never seen it, it's, it's on YouTube, but the opening for that show, you see this image of her and she's, she's on this, this huge grand staircase and she's singing Ain't No Mountain High Enough and you see her and she's coming down the stairs and she just comes through the screen and there she is standing right there in front of you live and it was just like, oh my God, this is crazy. Who is, who is this woman? And so from that point on, I was, and that's never, I mean, that is, that's, that's been duplicated only one other time. Tony Braxton did that some years ago um, when she was performing um, Unbreak My Heart. She was at the top of the staircase and you saw her coming and she came through the screen. And I said, that was Diana Ross who did that first. Yeah. So, you know, and, and, and of course we know the Braxtons are huge Diana Ross fans, but she was just, she was everything at, at that time for me. And Michael Jackson was just, oh my gosh, he was, I wanted to be him. I, I, you know, when he, and that's another thing about, had Michael not done this film, I don't think we would have had Off the Wall. Mm -hmm. I don't think we would have had Thriller. We would have had Beat It because that's where he met Quincy Jones. I was just about to say, was that his first introduction to Quincy? And he asked, he asked Quincy Jones if he knew a, a producer that could help him with his album. And the, the urban legend is that Quincy was so impressed with Michael Jackson's professionalism. He mm. was so impressed with his talent that he was like, let me produce this mm. album. And that's how we got off the wall. That's how we got Thriller. 
mm-hmm. which is the number one album of all time. Of all time. You know what I mean? So, yes. yeah. So you brought up Wicked as well. I have not seen Wicked. I've heard amazing things about Wicked, but all these different spinoffs that we get of The Wizard of Oz, I find interesting. Do you, uh, the premise of Wicked are the two sisters, right? The premise, the, and, and I have not seen Wicked either. The premise of Wicked is, is the story of the two sisters, um, Glenda and Elphaba, and, and this whole idea of how she became the Wicked Witch of the West. Um, but it, it does stay, uh, to my understanding, it does stay true to, El, when L. Frank Baum released The Wizard of Oz, that was one of many books. There were several books that he had written about this magical land of Oz, but for some reason, The Wizard of Oz is the story that really was pulled from these different books that everyone just kind of fell in love with. Because I think there's a, uh, they did a, um, they did a version based off of the story of Dorothy going back. Um, And I want to say it was around uh, uh, 86, 87, Mm. Um, which again, it was, you know, didn't hit. It was okay, you mm-hmm. know, be, because uh, again, Judy Garland as Dorothy, um, Hollywood, you got to think about entertainment at that time. They were making uh, examples out of these stars and they were setting precedents. So Judy Garland was this huge star. At that time, her and Mickey Rooney—I mean, they were—they were—they were really big. And so, for her to play Dorothy, and for everyone to fall in love with this story and the magic of the story and this whole idea of um, you know over the rainbow and there's no place like home and the magic being you know inside of you was huge. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, it, it was as American as apple pie. And so you, you're, you're trying to come behind that. I think the the producers of The Wiz, they had to create, in a sense, a new story because you there was no way that you could you could follow up to what had already been. And I, and I really don't honestly think that they were trying to, to do that. Um, that's why I think there were little nuances about The Wiz that yeah. were just, you know, yeah. that were, that were, that, that were um, important to black culture, you know, um, you know, little, little thing in there or the graffiti on the wall, or, you know, we're not going to have the scarecrow's going to be stuffed with newspaper and you know, like, which, you know, it was just so black. It was black. You know, black. <laughs> even when, even when, um, the 10 man said, um, if you don't have STP, Crisco will do just fine. You know, it was, <laughs> Look, yes, that was little things like that, that we could all, you know, we could all relate to. Um, I just, you know, it was, it was, it was, it was a big thing at that time. Um, from the box office standpoint, The Wiz did not do what Motown wanted it to do. And, and to be honest with you, Hollywood really used The Wiz as a litmus test to see if they would do a major, major black film like yes. that in the future. And I think the the next, if you and I could be wrong, but the next biggest black, of course, Broadway went on to do Dream Girls and Ain't Misbehaving and, and Bubbling Brown Sugar and Sophisticated Ladies, but the next biggest black kind of thing was really coming to America. Because mm. at that point, 
That's Diana Ross's film career was in limbo. Mm. Nobody was, wanted, you know, because here was the thing that you probably don't know. Um, after she did The Wiz, there was um, there, there was a film project that someone came to her about that they wanted her to do. She was on board to do it. The guy that she that they um, had been eyeing for this film was Steve McQueen, and he said no. And so they um, they gave it to Ryan O'Neill. And at that point, Ryan O'Neill and Diana Ross kind of had this tryst going on. And so um, the film was called The Bodyguard. Uh-huh. You the know what? While you were just talking about Diana Ross's film career being in limbo, and I was, my Rolodex went to all the films that I've seen her in and how amazing she was. And the only person I can even associate like that with huge singing career, huge acting career is Whitney. Because Whitney is not just a phenomenal singer. Whitney was a great actress. She was a, she was, Whitney Houston superstar. was a super talent. I mean, she was, she was, when you think of, um, so let me say this. They shelved the movie because it really, Diana Ross was supposed to be in the bodyguard. Mm. The movie was shelved because they did not think audiences um, would see an interracial film. Right. You're talking about 1979. Eh, you didn't, I mean, it was still kind of a, a, a you, did, you just didn't have romance like that. And so it was shelved. And it, it, it didn't come back, uh, of course, until later right. on with, yeah. uh, with, with Whitney Houston. But Whitney Houston, if you will, Whitney Houston was uh, the, the next generation Diana Ross Yes. If you will. Because Diana, they, Whitney, Beyonce. Yeah, it was it was this what, what Barry Gordy was able to do with Diana Ross's career that uh that was not done with the because here's the thing. Diana Ross was out at the same time as Aretha Franklin, at the same time as Gladys Knight, at the same time as Patty LaBelle, right? Uh uh Chaka Khan didn't come out until late 70s. Dionne Warwick, right, was out at that time. They were the... The divas. The, the divas at that time. Mm -hmm. What was different about Diana Ross is she did not have the big, heavy vocals yeah. that the other women had, but she had a look that was... Um, you, you couldn't keep your eyes off of her. Marketable, uh-huh. Yeah, very marketable look. And she had talent that was beyond singing and Barry Gordy knew that Barry Gordy Barry Gordy wanted to create someone that could rival Barbara Streisand mm. Barbara Streisand at that time was a singer she was an amazing actress she could do Broadway and that's what Barry Gordy he wanted a piece of that he was like okay I, I see what they're doing with this woman I see where she's going I want to do the same exact thing um, he was also a huge fan of Doris Day, which was this other kind of super talent that could sing, that could act, she could host a show. I mean, anything you threw at her, she could do. And so Barry Gordy wanted to create that type of star. And I think that as he looked at his talent, it was like, who who do I have that is like that? Right. Closest to it. Yeah. It was, it was Diana Ross. And so... People liked her, um, kids liked her, 
um, she had a, a very, she had a very good fashion sense. I mean, Diana Ross went to school to be a fashion designer. Um, so it, it was, it was just it's there. Yeah. The chemistry was there. And so. Let's, let's circle it back to this point as well, because I do feel like with the Wizard of Oz and the Wiz, with the, you know, Scarecrow not having a brain, with the Tin Man not having a heart and the Lion, no courage, and ultimately finding out that it's within themselves. What are some takeaways that we get from this film? You know, it, 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 and I, I'm going to try to say this without uh, tearing up or without crying. You know, The Wiz, I, I think what, I think we resonate with The Wiz, and I, I know for myself, I resonate with the story, this idea of everything that you need is already within you. Um, every desire, every dream, every hope that you have for yourself and for your life is already there. Mm -hmm. I think um, when you look back at the life of L. Frank Baum, he was a very spiritual man because the Wiz is the, the Wizard of Oz story, those characters are really attributes of Dorothy. Right. Her, her you know, the wisdom, her brain, mm -hmm. um, this belief that. I don't have what I, I I'm lacking something when you actually have it. Right. Um, the idea of not having a heart, not having enough capacity to love or to feel when we, excuse me, we do. And then the courage of being afraid of, of, of the things that life can throw at you stepping out. One of the, the, the scenes that I, I tend to gravitate towards, um, in, in the film is at the end when she's talking to the, um, the Wiz himself, where she says, um, you know, I don't know what's in you, but there's a whole world out there and you have to begin by letting people see who you really are. You know, the, 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 the script to the Wiz was, was heavily influenced by EST. Um, EST was a movement in the 70s about self-empowerment if you will. Okay. And it kind of pissed a lot of folks off because they were like, you know, you're, you're, you're spewing all this self-help stuff in this film and it's garbage. But, and, and, and I don't know if you've seen th this recent video of Diana talking about positive thinking and the power of positive thinking. Mm, it's a, recent it's a, it's a video? video that's been circulating on Instagram that everybody's just like, oh my gosh, you know, she's, and I'm like, y'all are late. She was, she was, she was been, been she's been doing that. <laughs> but that whole idea of the power being inside of you um, at that time was considered crazy. But when you think about it now, it's very, very true. And, and to me, it's very scriptural in that if you're a believer of Jesus Christ, if you're a believer of God, and him dwelling and living inside of you, yes. whatever power he possesses is now inside of you. And it's, it's, it's in there for you to, you know, um, mm -hmm. Bishop Jakes has often talked about a message of um, what's in your hands, right? What is it that God has already put in your hands that you're overlooking that is a gold mine mm. that could be your, your, your door to, you know, financial stability or deliverance or whatever it is you need in your life, it's already in you. It's, it's already there. Yes, yes, it, yes. It's got to be cultivated. And so 
I think as as I'm as I've gone as I as an, as I've grown, the message of believing yourself, loving yourself, knowing that it's already there in you, that shit is important and is real. Excuse my French. No, it's it's, 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 it's encouraged. <laughs> It's no, real. Yes. To your point, I just said something recently about the only thing right now that has changed for me is that I'm recognizing the opportunities. They've always been there, but it's just like, oh, that's an opportunity. Oh, this is an opportunity. Because when you're focused on what the picture, what the end goal should look like, if you miss the opportunities going by you, like like they say the the saying of like, You'll ask God for something and he'll give you, you'll ask him for a cake and he'll give you the batter and the eggs. And you're like, I, I wanted a cake. So if you're not recognizing that he's always giving the opportunity, you got to put one foot in front of the other and keep it moving. And then you'll start to see the, the puzzle come together. And it's like, oh, okay. Like, so now recognizing the opportunities is half the battle of receiving the blessing. Absolutely. And, and you know, again, I want to go back to, you know, why Diana took this role at 32. I think she was experiencing all of what we're talking about. Mm. And it's, to me, the evidence is they shot this movie in 1977. It came out in 1978. She left Motown in 1980. Mm. And that was the whole premise of I'm Coming Out. Um, the Boss, which was her album prior to I'm Coming Out. Diana Ross in that womanhood. She wanted she wanted to be in control of her career. She wanted to be in control of her destiny. And I think prior to that, there was this period of searching. I honestly believe that is why she wanted to do this film. She had again just moved back to New York City. She was recently divorced at that time. She had these these three little girls. You know, so imagine at your age with three three babies and you're you're trying to move your career and it's just like who am i what am i yeah. doing I, i've been told to do, to go here and, and i got to do this i'm you know cuz as an artist you're not in control of your career right and i think that she was at that point she was she was she was ready to be in charge of of herself Being and so i think she was trying to find herself and that was that was the that was the connection and and for that I give her a pass for that I say let her do the movie I love that right we're gonna end it off on, well I want to know what you're doing what you have up coming up next but we're in a very um the time that we're filming this right now is you know the president-elect has been uh voted to Mr. Joe Biden and Kamala Harris as the uh, vice president-elect. And I just want to know where you are mentally, spiritually, emotionally about all of that. Let me, let me say this, because I, I posted something yesterday, and, and, and I, um, this election was the very first election that I, I have been um, emotionally attached to what what's what's happening when when barack obama became president in 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 2008 um excuse me to me that was that was a moment for black people mm -hmm. for our ancestors it was it was it was a dream fulfilled it was a moment in time 
that at that time, we as a country needed to see that. We needed to see a black man elevated to the highest position in this country. I cried. I, I remember being at a friend. I, I knew I know exactly where I was and exactly what I was doing the night that he was elected. I remember calling my mother. She was crying. I mean, it was just it was it was very you know it was a very emotional time. Um, fast forward to where we are now, and the fact that we went through two terms with uh, Barack and Michelle Obama leading this country. Um, there was such a spirit of togetherness, um, yet you had people who I think felt that by Barack being black, that there were certain things that, that were supposed to change in the African-American community. And I just think that's a, that's a, that's a distorted way or view of looking at, at, at that. Was, he gonna, was everything gonna change for black people? Absolutely not. Right. Um, is everything going to change for us now with Joe Biden being in the office? Right. Absolutely not. Look at them and say, so, we can't. Yeah. So it was, so for me, it was, it was, um, you know, you had, you know, who was elected and who's been running this country for the last four years. Um, it's been so much that we've experienced over this time affecting African-American community, especially African-American men. And then we come into 2020 and we're hit with this pandemic, right? Which has turned the world and everything that we know upside down. Upside down. Right. But <laughs> here's, here's the, 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 the magic of the coronavirus and, and what I feel that years from now, our view of, of 2020 will change. What the coronavirus has done is it's revealed the hearts of people. It's revealed true motives. It's revealed how we see ourselves, how we see our neighbor, how we see our family. It, it has revealed hidden agendas. It's revealed a lot. And so I honestly believe Joe Biden would not have won the election had coronavirus not hit. Mm -hmm. mm. So God knew he had to send a plague we need to, to reveal the hearts of people yes. in order for us to really see what was going on. So you couple that with everything that we've gone through and this idea of this is the most important election of our lifetime because democracy, the foundation upon which our country stands was at risk. Right. And so tensions are high, emotions are high. We were trying to get everybody to vote. We were trying to convince the next generation, you know, who, tore up cities because of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor. People were angry, people were tired, but this idea of we gotta vote because that's where the change is gonna come, that was, that was, that was in all of our mouths. And so for me, the last couple of days were very emotional. Mm -hmm. um, when I woke up, what was that, yesterday? No, what's today, Sunday? When I woke up, we, we got the news, what, Saturday? Yeah, yesterday. That, that he was ahead. Um, or that the elect, he got the elect yesterday. That was Friday, Friday, oh. Friday. Um, I woke up excited. I had posted images of Brand New Day because that was the song that was in my head. And then there was this whole idea of, well, we need to recount the ballots. And then he was saying, you know, this, th 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 the election was stolen. And I'm going to tell you, 
I, I, I was so angry. I, I lost it. Mm. I had a meltdown. And I, I, I made up in my mind, I was not going to vote again. I was, I was, I was mad. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, but the next day, yesterday, when he won, what I felt that 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 showed me where I am in my faith, and it showed me where I was in my level of patience. Mm -hmm. And I've got some work to do, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. um, because I was I was afraid that we would get this close and, be and something would happen that, you know what I mean? And I said, oh my gosh, we have convinced an entire new generation that voting is the way. And if this man doesn't win, it's gonna totally, it's, it's, it's gonna like shift people's, yeah, it's gonna affect how people see, you know what I mean? And so that was very concerning to me. And I became angry and I became, um, I was like, God, you know, what, what are you doing? What's, you know, what's going on? But again, we have to, if you go believe, you gotta believe, no matter how it looks, no matter what comes up. And I was telling a friend that this story, not to go on, but this story reminds me of the, of the book of Esther. Hmm. When in that book, if you read the book of Esther, I think God, God's name is mentioned once. Mm. But you see God moving throughout that entire story. And her faith. And there was, yeah, it was all about faith. And it came down to the very last minute that this woman could have died. But God flipped that thing and, and freed his people. And so I really believe that, that that was what was at play when it came to this election, was that Joe Biden just kind of came out of retirement. And that God had been preserving this man and saving this man for this such, time, such a time as for such a time as this. Yes. So, it, it it for me it really was a a a revealing of my faith, and I say that because where I am going, and the things that I want to do, and the things that I will be doing, are going to require another level of faith and another level of patience. I'm a caregiver. I'm dealing with a parent who has dementia. And God is testing my patience there mm -hmm. that I, I can't look at her the way that I've looked at her before when she does things that to me are like, why are you doing this? I can't be quick to anger or to be upset because that's just what this disease does. So to me, that was the, those are the personal lessons that I learned that brother, you can't get mad and angry. You got to just, you got to trust. Mm. And, and that's, that's, that's where I've, I've been tested. And I was tested through this election. Mm -hmm. Listen, because that was a word for me on this Sunday morning. Okay. A whole word. That's why I'm just, I was letting you do, give it to them. Because if I needed to hear it, somebody else needed to hear it too. Um, thank you for that. Thank you for sharing and being open too. What do you have coming up next, Mr. Ray Cornelius? How can we follow you and support you? So right now, um, my show up front airs every Saturday morning uh, at uh, WCLK 91.9. If you do not live in the Atlanta area, you can always tune in on WCLK.com. 
I am looking um, forward to 2021 and taking that show to another level. I, I, I can't say right now what that what that is, but just know that I'm, I'm looking to take that to another level. Um, I'm currently working on a documentary, which I cannot talk about. I'm not at liberty to reveal well, what that is. We're going to definitely come back on here and we're going yeah. to talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> but, but we, but we, but to me, it's 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 you know being in this position that we're in as film critics, as as uh, media personalities, we talk to a lot of people. And the one thing that I learned at in talking to a lot of actors and seeing for myself is this need for content and a need for a, a variety of stories. It angers me when um, I see that they're remaking a movie. Um, because the movie was successful at that time for those reasons, which are totally different in what we're experiencing right now as, as people um, in, 20, in 2020 and going into 2021. And so I feel like as Black people, we don't need to redo The Wiz. We don't need to redo The Color Purple or Dreamgirls, you know, all of these, these iconic films. We've got so many other stories out there and so many amazing people that we've not even you know, talked about that I, I feel like it's it's time. I'm 45 years old, I'm a Gen Xer, and I feel like Gen Xers are the most important people on the planet right now because we're the bridge between the boomers and the millennials and the Gen Zers. And so we hold the key to being that bridge between the generations. So my, my next goal or my goal uh, moving forward is to be able to connect those dots, and that's going to be through stories. So stories that are generational, mm -hmm. stories that everybody in the family can can sit around and watch and enjoy and take away. And I think that's really important because I feel like um, a lot of the past, the, the Gen Zers and the Millennials aren't really interested, and I feel like they're 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 missing out because there are so many nuggets and jewels that are directly connected to what's happening right now mm. that if you know what happened before you, you you'll be able to deal with what's happening right now yes mr cornelius we su i support you 100 percent. if you're looking for a producer you let me know too but um i'll support you i'll be looking forward to whatever you have coming up next i hope you can come back on and talk about that whatever the document i think i understand where you're going with what you're going with so um it sounds amazing Thank you again. I appreciate you coming on. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Chic Critiques. I'm your host, Mercedes. You can find me on all platforms at Chic Critiques. That's C-H-I-C-C-R-I-T-I-Q-U-E-S. And we look forward to the engagement and all the feedback. Take care.